stormy day, this last day of March 2021, in case you're watching this later. And it's always a good thing to get to come back together and do some study. And I really appreciate the four to 600 of you that are here every single week. Um, you're not always able to watch live because you have lives and you have businesses, but you, uh, you tune in later and I love your comments and your email. Uh, speaking of which, if you want to get a hold of me, patrick at rsafeharbor.com, and there's now the ability to go to rsafeharbor.com and watch the videos of our worship live there. So that you don't have to dance about uh, going back and forth with YouTube and hoping for the best. So uh, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much. We're reading scripture, the New Testament, in the order in which it was written, not in the order in which it took place. That's a very different thing. If we were doing that, we would have to do a harmony of the Gospels and start back there. We finished the book of James, and as I told you before, we're not going to be able to do this just a chapter at a time all the way through. Uh, there are going to be times we might not get through a chapter, but most of the time we're going to get a chapter, and if we can get more, we will, because going through this at a chapter pace might take a long time, and who knows how long I'm going to be uh, walking on this planet. So we'll, we'll do it with some alacrity, but it always helps if you read ahead. Now, it's a little unfair, frankly, because I didn't tell you to read ahead two chapters. We are starting the book of First Thessalonians, and it really, it's almost two and a half chapters that you can fly right through without having to spend a whole lot of time picking at things. Thessalonians, in fact, has a sense of a rush to it, like Paul was getting his words down quickly. Paul had uh, suffered some real setbacks, and he was just starting. You know, he this is his first book. Um, most people will say that. Written in the spring of 50 AD is the best guess we have. There are others that claim Galatians may have come first, but we're going to stick with the 50 AD and read 1 Thessalonians, okay? But again, there's a bit of a rush to it because he had been beaten up, treated shamefully, as he would put it. Uh, he was rocked by some of the things that happened to him in his first movement as a Christian minister. Remember, he had been a leader of the Jewish legal uh, community. And because of this, when he defected to the Christian faith, they would have looked upon him as an enemy. And so there are going to be times that Paul's going to talk about the Jews. Please remember, he wasn't talking about all Jews. He was a Jew. Jesus was a Jew. The apostles were Jews. When he talks about them, he's talking about the leadership that never forgave Paul for becoming a Christian. And in the book of Galatians, he's going to get angry about it. And that anger is just going to pour out. But here we see more of the, hey guys, you've been with us, you love us, and thank you so much. In fact, uh, the people in uh, Thessalonica or Thessalonia were such friends of Paul that he didn't even put something in his salutation, which he, did, he puts in his salutation. He'll put Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to establish his credentials, his bona fides to lay out his resume in front of them saying, this is who I am. 
But the people in Thessalonica, or Thessalonica um, they never questioned Paul's authority. They never questioned his apostleship. And so you'll see this camaraderie, camaraderie, this sense of being around allies and friends in this book, but also a rush. Because at this stage, Paul is new. He doesn't know when he's gonna be moved on to the next place as the authorities have moved him on before. And it's very possible that he was expecting Christ to come back any moment. So he wanted to get done what he could get done, uh, work while it is day, as Jesus would have said. So First Thessalonians, it's from three people, Paul, uh, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you all. Um, then he'll go on <clears throat> this first, uh, I'm sorry, this next, what, eight verses, uh, uh, verses two through 10. We always thank God for you. We continually mention you in our prayers. I must tell you that I'm not a natural born prayer and it takes some work for me to pray, but I pray uh, a lot during the day, a sentence here, three sentences there. What really allows me to do the work I'm doing and safe Har our Safe Harbor Church has just exploded around the globe, we're finding. I think we had seven nations check in last Sunday, <clears throat> our prayers. And some of you, <clears throat> I'm gonna choke up again, not, not emotion, I'm too Scottish for that. Not just weather and old age, all right? But your prayers are amazing. And the way that you continue to pray for us, is that, that's why we can do what we do. And so here he thanks them for the prayer. By the way, if you want to join our prayer ministry, or if you have a prayer request, it's just prayer at rsafeharbor.com. And so you can, you can even request and then say, hey, I'd like to be part of the team. So you can do both. All right, <clears throat> we always thank God for you. We remember you in our prayers. I love verse three. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know something? That's the kind of letter you wanna get from an apostle of God, because you must be doing a lot right to get this. He goes, we know that you're loved by God. We know that he has chosen you because the gospel worked when we came to you. Now that's a, that's a really interesting thing to say. Um, you can bring the gospel into an area and it falls flat and they'll kill you. Like a lot of missionaries have been killed. Like a lot of Christians, period, have been killed. They're being killed today. I mean, there is a Christian I don't know if the word genocide is right, but um, I don't really have another word for it. In places like Nigeria, where uh, Christian girls uh, are being captured by the hundreds and marched off into the bush and married to um, rebels and butchers that claim to do so under the name of Islam. There are also those that are up in Uganda and such that are being captured by those who claim they are being led by the Holy Spirit and they are raped and killed. And it's just, Christians have suffered. And when you take the gospel into some places, it seems not to be working. Of course, we keep going in there because the people in there have souls and are made in the image of God. Uh, therefore, we are all brothers and sisters. We keep going. But Paul's really relieved because in Thessalonica, it, was, it worked. 
gospel came to you not simply with words but with power. So it seems that the Holy Spirit was really at work and uh, convincing people in lives and perhaps by miracles as well. He says, we lived among you for your sake. And, and this is something which Paul really pushes in the first two chapters of Thessalonians. We worked with you, we lived among you, you became imitators of us as we became imitators of Christ. That's how Christianity spreads. Now, <clears throat> this, is, this may be a bit contentious, um, and truthfully, I, I'm not trying to be. When I was a boy, we, we were trained in cottage meetings. Uh, all that meant was that you find a way to, and, and this isn't sneaky, but you find a way to ask people to study the Bible with them, or you invite them to study the Bible with you. And then when they do, you, there are some film strips you could show, or you, there's this five session by open Bible study that you could use. We had several methods. None of these were to trick or fool anybody. They were to, people knew it wasn't a surprise Bible class. You know, they, they had agreed to come to this moment. What really troubled me for the first 20 plus years of my life were how few of these people then went from there to become like us in doctrine and practice. It wasn't until my late 30s and early 40s that I began to realize Paul wasn't walking into these places and saying, may I study scripture with you so that you can agree with us theologically. He was living among them as a Matthew 25 guy, feeding the poor, helping the sick, working among them, speaking of Christ along the way. Deuteronomy 6 is one of my favorite chapters. Just when you get up, sit down, walk around, and the people became imitators of Christ. In his wonderful book, uh, The Celtic Way of Evangelism by George Hunter III, he shows that St. Patrick and the Irish um, saints, St. Patrick was British, but don't, don't pick, uh, the saints in Ireland learned not to establish a church and then tell people you've got to be good enough to come to it, but rather just go live among them and help them, love them, treat them, care for them, and eventually they'll belong before they believe. Paul was doing the same thing. And he says, we lived among you. You welcomed the message, even with all the severe suffering. And we're not really sure what was going on in Thessalonica that he's referring to. Certainly Paul, Silas, and Timothy have suffered. And said, then what happens? You imitated us, verse seven, and you became the examples for everybody else, the model for all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message, verse eight, rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we don't need to say anything about it. <laughs> what? I mean, it's just, this is so not some books in the Bible. This is, this is really cool. And it shows you that transmission by love, the transition by, by kindness, by modeling Christ. Wow, what, what, a beautiful, what a beautiful thing to say here. And, and I do like it, that faith rang out and we, have an, we had an old song we used to sing. I don't think it came from our religious tribe, but one of, the, one of the Protestant tribes probably out there, 
Um, there's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad, ring it out, ring it out. And we loved those type of songs because you got to play a little bit in the songs. Uh, they, they had some alto leads or bass leads or some contrast and, you know, to us. And finally, church became really fun and interesting. Uh, here, they rang out with their faith and people talked about their faith. I can remember when we lived just outside of Glasgow, Scotland, we'd go into Glasgow for the shopping or just to get out and walk about. And there was a preacher, <clears throat> always the same guy for a long time. And by the way, I have no idea whatever happened to him and if there were others, but he would be uh, <clears throat> launched up at the top, uh, Buchanan Street, I believe. Um, maybe Saki Hall, I think it's Buchanan Street. <clears throat> and he would be preaching, uh, sometimes on a box, sometimes with a sandwich board. And he would just be yelling about the sins of the people passing by. Uh, that's not how they were winning converts. They didn't preach it, they lived it. And they lived it until the people sat and said, tell me, why are you doing this? It is, it's great, therefore we don't need to say anything about it for they themselves, in other words, the people who see you, we're imitating Christ, you're imitating us, and the people that see you are rejoicing. And they're, they're talking about how now they're turning from, uh, to God from idols to serve the living and the true God and to wait for his son from heaven who he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. So again, this very apocalyptic feel to this that uh, the end of the world is right around the corner. Um, Jesus coming back is right around the corner. Uh, and by the way, end of the world to them could mean the end of the planet. Most of the time it meant the end of their civilization, their government, their ruling. Uh, that was when the world went away um, and the moon turned to blood and all that sort of thing. Then he goes, you know, brothers, that our visit to you was not without results. We'd suffered and we've been treated outrageously in Philippi. Uh, that's in chapter two, we're starting there now. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. You know, um, <clears throat> I, I, I'm, I'm a little weary, wary of how to phrase this next bit. There are times where you can feel beat up by life, by Christians. Uh, I certainly have been. Sometimes I feel like the church has drugged me behind the truck for a mile or two and then cut me loose and gone on singing hymns while I laid in the ditch. Many of you feel the same, I'm not special. Many of you have felt the same way. So how do we dare to tell the gospel in the face of incredible suffering? Well, one is I think by understanding that we're not that special. There's a lot more suffering going on out there. And in fact, maybe we're far more blessed than we ever imagined we are. There, we can also think about this. What is harder? getting up out of that ditch and saying, I believe that Jesus is a Christ, the son of God, and I believe that since he is the word of God, we're to follow him, all right? Or getting up out of the ditch, finding the people who drug you behind the truck and saying, what's the best thing I can do for you right now? And finding a way to bless them, pray for them and work among them, ignoring the fact they just drug you behind the truck. 
I think we all understand B is the harder. Paul is telling them, you chose B, and that's why it worked. You didn't publish a paper listing all their sins. You didn't uh, attack them in the public square. You didn't shame them. <clears throat> no, you just got up and did good stuff. Just get up and do good stuff, and it works. You know, he even brings up, you know, we weren't looking for praise from people. God's our witness. We never used flattery. I'm not really sure why he felt like he had to say this, because in Thessalonica, they liked him. He liked them. But it seems that somebody must have accused them of using tricky words and flattery to worm their way into people's lives. That's, um, nobody likes that. Nobody likes feeling they're manipulated. And so he said, no, we were like young children among you in verse seven, just as a nursing mother cares for her children. So we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. There you go. Verse eight of chapter two. Sharing our lives as well. That's what won them over. And in fact, he goes, surely you remember that, brothers and sisters. Our toil and bird, uh, hardship as we work day and night, not to be a burden to anyone. And that's, um, that's a, a constant theme in Paul, where he's saying, listen, if you want to pay us and support us, that's a huge benefit to us. I know because people have given to our Safe Harbor Church on tithely or, or PayPal at OurSafeHarbor.com, or they've sent in a check, or uh, any way that they have um, supported us monetarily has been huge. It's allowed me to continue my work. It's allowed the ministry that we're doing at Our Safe Harbor Church to reach the world. That's, that's huge. But we don't wanna be a burden to any of you. And that's why we always say, if you have a local church where you're being led and fed, they need your support but just add us and you don't have to add us monetarily. Just watch us, pray for us, be a part of us too, but put your money there locally where they're doing so much for you. And if you don't have a church, then of course you can give to us, but don't hurt yourself because we're working too. You know, I take other speaking jobs when I can get them. COVID has been quite the wreck on that, uh, but I've been able to do a lot of that virtually and universities and law enforcement groups still pay me for that. And I do everything I can not to be a burden. I bet you do too. Again, I'm not special. I bet you feel exactly the same way. And Paul is saying, listen, I worked hard not to be a burden. You're witnesses of how, now in verse 10, <clears throat> how, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, blameless we were among you who believed. That's a bold statement. I'm not really sure I could make it because I'm, and, it, and this is no false humility. I don't think I get through a week blameless. Uh, I can be judgmental, I can be harsh, I can be greedy. I can be so tunnel vision that I don't see somebody lying broken and bleeding in a ditch that needs, needs a kind word and a bandage. I, I, I'm not blameless. I try to be holy and I try to certainly be loving, but I gotta, I gotta take my hat off. I don't have one on, but if I had a hat, I'd take it off to Paul and say, wow, 
under all, after all you've gone through, and boy, is he gonna go through a lot more. Don't know if he's quite aware of what's coming. Um, you did good, Paul. There are times I get aggravated at Paul. And if you don't, I'm, I just don't think you're paying attention. He can get aggravating. In the next book, Galatians, he's gonna cross a few lines, frankly. But uh, I think he had every right to because we're humans. And when we're hurt, we're hurt. And sometimes we react as hurt people. Here, I think he's just trying to get his legs under him, saying, you know, we've had all kinds of trouble, treated outrageously, but you guys like us and we really like you, so we must be all right. You know, I remember last year when we, Cammie and I went through our crisis and it was the only time we'd ever been through anything like that in our lives. We literally got thousands of emails, of PayPal and Vimeo, you know, $5 here, $10 there, $1,000 there. We were shocked and stunned beyond belief. But we felt, I think, what's being felt here by Paul, and that is we just got rejected and hurt and kicked pretty hard, but all these people like us and we really like them. We, we might be okay people. We might be acceptable. See, that's what friendship does. Friends rescue each other every day. I've got friends who know my deepest faults and people, they can go deep. And they love me anyway. I cannot tell you what a blessing that is. And I try to do the same in return. Paul here is weaving the, weaving the friendship across the chasms of our own sins. He goes, we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Dads, get this in your head. We raise our children with encouragement, comforting, and urging, not with harshness, anger, and ever-increasing list of rules. These children are God's children. You only have them for a while. He did not make them to be little yous. He made them to be them. And so some breathing room's important and Paul's given breathing room here. Wait till you hear next Monday's message about the breathing room that God gives us in worship. We also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is. The word of God, look at this next phrase, which is indeed at work in you who believe. In Hebrews 11, every time you come across the word by faith, then there's a verb. And we talked about that in the book of Joe, uh, James, rather, how Martin Luther wasn't comfortable with this because he'd just gotten away from a works religion and he wanted a solo fide. He wanted a, a faith religion. But it's intertwined <clears throat> because if you believe that will adjust your behavior. If I believe a policeman is ahead of me, I'm probably not gonna floor it and try to pass him at 95. It's just we believe things and it changes our behavior. I believe the weather forecast. It said it's going to be another soaker. We've had so many rains, one after another here, that there's a lot of flooded streets and there have been some real uh, suffering in Middle Tennessee. I, and I believe the suffering has been worse down in Georgia and uh, North Alabama. So again, we're not special. That said, I believed him. 
so I got a, um, an umbrella. It adjusted my behavior because I believed. I took a different route that didn't have low roads because I believed. Belief should adjust your behavior. Or what good is it? Now, are we saved because of the adjusted behavior? No, we're saved by the grace and love of Jesus Christ. But wouldn't you like to make God smile while he's saving you? I think so. All right. For you, and it just keeps going, and verse 14. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea. See how he's weaving this? We're all learning how to love from each other. We're all learning how to do better from each other. Put no one on a pedestal, because I've been put there, and you never survive the fall. No pedestals. We're all just going to wrap our arms around each other, and one big wad of us, we're going to go see Jesus. We're going we're gonna to love one another. So no borders uh, of nation, race, tribe, kindred, tongue, politics, none of that. We're new people, and we're going to imitate the good we see in other people. He'll, he'll talk about, you suffered from your own people, those same things the church has suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus. Now here's where we have to bring it up. We, we do. Paul is not anti-Semitic. He is Semitic. He is referring to the leadership. For example, um, during the time of President Reagan in the United States, there were issues with Libya and he wanted to fly and bomb them. And the leaders of France would not let them pass over France. And so people just were very upset. They just didn't like the French. We just don't like the French. Well, I think there were probably think people who thought we really didn't like anybody named Henri who had a, a, a beret. But we meant by that, we, I wasn't doing that kind of talking. The, the people who were saying that were talking about the leadership of France, not the French people. By the way, I know I keep hearing about how people in Paris have their nose in the air and how the French look down on you know, scorn upon others. Every time I've gone to France, people, the common people on the street could not be nicer. So remember that. We don't need to tar and feather and paint with broad brushes and all those other mixed metaphors. Yes, this is what he's talking about. But we have to confess that the early church and the medieval church and some churches to this very day grab these verses as an excuse to hate all Jews. And that's tragic beyond belief. I and mean, Martin Luther was one of the most racist individuals ever. This is not Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther, the German reformer. Um, the things he said about Jews, I don't want to repeat. He did not consider them human. They were less than animals to him. He said the same thing about gypsies, by the way. Uh, he, he was not an exceptionally tolerant individual. Uh, and I would say he was a man of his time, but I'm pretty sure he excelled in intolerance even as a man of his time. But again, we cannot use scripture to justify any racial, national, political, class warfare at all. God does not allow us. By the way, biology doesn't either. We are humans, period. There aren't races biologically speaking or spiritually speaking. The reason we have races is because 
po politics has done that, and somehow we must rise above. Uh, he talks about those who were driving out the Christians. This is in the early days of the church. Remember 50 AD, Jesus is only ascended to heaven 15, 16 years ago. So you've got this unease. Are we Jewish and just Jewish plus Christ? Or did Christ separate us from the Jews? So they used to be the chosen people of God, but now he doesn't like him so much. He likes Christians. Or is there something in that vast middle ground? It was all being sorted out. And because the Jews were an accepted religion uh, by the Romans, they if they went and said, listen, um, the, the Christians here, they're not really Jews, they're, and they're disrupting us. We don't want to get in trouble with Rome. And so it was a beginning of this. And by the way, the Christians would turn around and do the same thing to the Jews. And again, remembering at this stage, by far, the majority of Christians were Jews. This is a family struggle of, over identity. And it led to horrific, horrific episodes throughout all of history. We don't need to be like that. We can be like Paul and just say, listen, we understand the leaders did this, but I'm a, he says, I'm a Jew. We, we accept Christ. He goes on, talks about them heaping up their sins to the limit and the wrath of God has come upon them at last. That is likely speaking to a clearing out job that the Romans were doing on some synagogues and some uh, Jews because trouble was a Bruin, as you might say. And in 20 years after this is written, the, the Jewish people and the Roman people would collide colossally and tragically. Verses 17 and forward really either belong to chapter three or chapters one through three are really just one chapter. Uh, these chapter divisions are extremely awkward in this book. 17 forward, brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated you, from you for a short time in person, not in thought, just wanna stop there again. You loved us, we loved you. We cared for you as fathers. We cared for you as mothers, nursing you. You cared for us. When we are away from you, we felt like orphans. I love my church family so much. The Sundays are my favorite day of the week and I'm not an extrovert. Uh, I love sitting quietly and studying. It's my favorite thing. And yet, I get around these people and I see them checking in, which is just phenomenally fun. And it's my favorite day. Why? I feel like I'm separated. And so three times a week, at least, I come to you this way and get that connection. And although I've never met many, many hundreds of you, I feel like I know you well because we connect. Um, it means a lot to me. Hope it means a lot to you. He talks about, I wanted to come to you. This is where we're gonna wrap up today. Let's see, we've been going for 31 minutes, so we really have to wrap it up. I just want you to take a thought here. In verse 18 of chapter two, we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul did, again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. I could talk about that last verse forever because I find it to be an exceptionally touching, poignant, beautiful thing. 
but I want to talk about the verse just ahead of it for a moment. He says, I wanted to come to you, but Satan blocked me again and again. What really fascinates me about this is he doesn't explain it because he didn't have to. Back then, people understood that God has a plan for you, but Satan does as well. And you get a vote in the matter, but so does every other human being on the planet. And sometimes they're going to block you. Sometimes they're going to knock you down. I have wanted to go to so many places and talk to them about Jesus or help them with this, that, or the other, and been blocked. Been blocked by government, been blocked by money. You know, I've not been back to Scotland for 10 years and it literally is just eating my heart to pieces. But there's money problems, there, um, not problem, it's, there's not enough money, or there are COVID limitations. We understand that we get blocked from doing some things that we want to do. And some of that blocking is done by the devil and others it's done by the world and the flesh. But Paul is trying to keep his spirits up here by telling them how wonderful they have been to them and how wonderful Paul, Silas, and Timothy have been in return. Saying, let's just sit back and remember, we love each other and we love Jesus. and We're gonna be okay later. All right, gotta end this, but I hope you do join us again on Sunday at 9.30 Central Time. Just to note, those of you uh, that tune in early, you'll see the scroll of the cities that have checked in over the last couple of weeks. There may not be music, and the reason is uh, we had a license to play music that we played. YouTube somehow, their algorithm did not catch that we had the license, and they pulled us down. And, uh, one of our ladies fought for hours to get it back, and maybe even two of our ladies fought for hours to get it back up. So until we can figure out what's going on with YouTube, uh, we're going to probably be a little quiet during that 15-minute wrap-up, 9.15-ish is when it starts, and then 9.30 is when our worship is. We would love to have you join us. If you have questions, uh, Patrick at OurSafeHarbor.com. You can watch and learn, uh, find out about us at www.OurSafeHarbor.com. That's the website, and you can find us on YouTube exactly where you are right now. God bless you. Thank you for being such good friends, despite the distance. If you've made a comment during this live broadcast, please be aware that for some reason, YouTube won't let me go back and see any of those. So if you could add it to the bottom, once it's done, then I can respond to you, all right? God bless each and every one of you, and I hope you have a wonderful, blessed Easter. For I bring you tidings of great joy. The tomb is empty. He is risen. He is risen indeed.